0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff and management.
1: You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. On Empirical Investing Radio. To connect with Empirical Investing Radio, please call one 866 472 5790 Fasten your seat belts. You're gonna need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life.
2: Good afternoon, and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. I'm your host, Ken Smith. Today, next to me, I have Eric Lair, our Director of Research at Empirical Wealth Management. Good afternoon, Eric. This show is designed to share with you prudent investment and financial planning ideas to help you make a lifetime of smarter financial decisions. If you'd like to give us a call, this is a live program today. On this uh, somewhat foggy afternoon in Seattle, Washington. my window I can barely see across the city here. But uh, on October 24th, this is a live program. You can reach us. If you want to call in, 866-472-5790, and you might be asking, well, why would I do that? And, uh, well, Eric, that's a good question. You might do that if you want to comment on something we're discussing today. I thought we'd talk a little bit about, uh, the Nobel Prize Awards, uh, in economics, Eric, a little bit about that, and relate it to our investment philosophy Sure. here at Empirical, and, uh... You we'll know, do a little little coverage of the of what's going on in the market. I think Ethan Rugg is going to join us in a little while. He's um he's doing some very important work right now. And uh, if you want to give us a call throughout the week if you're interested in talking with someone here at Empirical about your own personal financial situation, what we do is help individuals. We help them design a retirement plan. We help them design a portfolio and we help implement that portfolio in the way we are typically compensated either on a hourly basis for planning or we will work as a percentage of the assets under management, but we, do never, we never receive any compensation from any of the investments that we recommend or any of the investment uh, ideas or other financial planning concepts that we, we share with our clients. As a listener of the show, we're happy to give you a free analysis of your current situation and uh, at any time, we'd love to answer any questions you have throughout the week. Um, maybe you're considering a, a various financial planning decision, life insurance, an investment that you're thinking of making, should you buy or lease your car, refinance your house, whatever it is, we'd uh, love to try to help you out with that. If you do want to contact us throughout the week, you can call 1-800-923-4307. That's one 1-800- 800 923-4307 you can shoot us an email throughout the program today or uh, throughout the week at empirical at, uh, or empiradio.com that's uh, contact at and I'd be happy to answer any questions directly if you want to shoot me an email ksmith at empirical.net now that we got that all away Eric I, uh, I thought we could talk a little market was up again today um, it's it's really going gangbusters. Uh, Dow closed up ninety five point eight eight today at fifteen thousand five oh nine point two one, and um, that is up about six tenths of a percent for the day. That puts us year to date up about eighteen point three five percent on the Dow Jones. The S and P five hundred index was also up today, up. Three tenths of a percent, and year to date, the S and P is up 22.85 percent. Not bad for uh, you know the first almost ten months of the of this year. If we just held here for the year, it'd be a pretty good year for equities. Right. I have to say, other than emerging markets, which are down four percent year to date, and we've been monitoring and talking about um, throughout our weekly program here, large company. Growth stocks up twenty three point five seven, uh, beating large company value stocks twenty three point four seven for the year. Small company growth stocks are up quite a bit this year thirty seven point zero eight percent year to date. So they're having a great year in small company growth. Small value up twenty seven point five. The EFA index up seventeen point two two percent, not too shabby. Uh, the EFA value index. and you've got EPA growth up 17.69. So year-to-date, the growth position's doing a little better than value in the U.S. and across the developed countries. Again, emerging markets down 4.06 year-to-date. The World Stock Index, I'm just using the VT, ETF, Vanguard World Stock Index, up 17.62%. Not bad for a globally diversified uh, portfolio year-to-date. Gold, down 19.66% year to date so almost a 40% return difference between most stocks and they um, and gold so our advice has consistently been even when gold is doing very well granted we weren't recommending that you load up on gold we recommend having a well-balanced portfolio that includes all these asset classes and that you systematically rebalance, or your advisor does so. Um, and this is a good testament to that. I think a lot of people a year ago. Uh, now we're almost down 21% on gold, but I think a year ago that uh, certainly wasn't what was being put out there, particularly by the gold sales people. Right. Um, <clears throat>
3: well, that's. I think you you kind of nailed it right there. It's the gold sales people. You have to remember the people who are uh, telling you that the world's going to end. By gold, um, usually the people who are trying to sell you said gold or you know uh, gold-tracking indices, gold-miner indices. Uh, so just keep that in mind with the incentives of the person giving you advice.
2: Interest rates, Eric, are still uh, hovering at, at very low levels. In fact, the 10-year Treasury is uh, yielding 2.52 lower than it was last week at this time. Um, down from 2.59%, so not a lot of uh, not a lot of yield there. And if we look at five and ten-year AAA corporates, not not significantly better. Uh, 1.6% on a five-year and 3.38 average on ten-year corporates. Your treasury inflation protected negative 0.45 on the five-year treasury and. Uh, are the pre-inflationary yields offered on those inflation-protected bonds. So the break-even on uh, buying the nominal versus the inflation-adjusted on a five-year basis, we need to see about 1.74% of inflation rate. And on the 10-year Treasury, you'd be looking for 2.16 to come out even by buying the lower-yielding inflation-protected treasury. All other yields consistently low. The 30-year mortgage still, well, down to 4.27%, not bad. If you're thinking of buying a house, Eric, I would recommend you...
3: Get on that right now. You get on that,
2: well, no, maybe not now, but reasonably soon if you want to lock in a, a, a low interest rate and... um Probably not the worst time ever to have a mortgage on your property over the next few
3: years. Sure. Well, I think it's interesting. You pointed out that uh, the 10 year Treasury rates, for example, are down to about 2.5%. Uh, if you'll remember, about a month ago, those were up at almost 3%. And that was, you know, we heard that was the start of you know, rising rates. Um, apparently not yet, anyway.
2: But, mm-hmm. Yeah. I was. Um just looking across, I wanted to mention year-to-date, microcap stocks are up 35.65% as measured by the Dimensional Funds microcap fund that I track. Um, that's not bad. You know, small small stocks are doing pretty well this year year-to-date. A small cap portfolio 33.7. So um, that is some pretty exciting stuff, if you ask me. For this year, not a bad year in stocks. The stocks are definitely, uh, for a balanced portfolio, carrying their part of the weight where the bond side has not. And I think that's another beauty of having a well-balanced portfolio. That includes some growth investment asset classes like stocks along with more conservative investments such as your bonds.
3: And I I think the the small uh, and the micro-cap performance Sort of uh, points to something that we like to emphasize that it's it's good to have exposure to, to different classes besides maybe just large cap U.S. stocks like you get in the S and P or the the Dow Jones. Uh, I mean that's a pretty significant difference in performance.
2: Yeah. Well, Eric, I, I uh, it was released in the in the news here over the last week that uh, the Nobel Prize awards, and I, I thought maybe we could talk. A, a little bit about the winners and read some of the press releases here on this. Maybe play a clip I found on um, uh, one of the Nobel Prize winners, Eugene Fama, is connected with Dimensional Fund Advisors, one of the mutual fund companies we've had a pretty long-standing relationship with, and I uh, found a nice video clip that they posted on there that we would play. Um, but let's let's. You've given me a couple of articles here. Um, let's start with I guess more of the generic release here, Eugene Fama, um, Bloomberg release, Eugene F. Fama, Robert J. Schiller, which, by the way, we've had the opportunity to interview both of them on our previous radio programs, and I believe those are in our archives. So now uh, two more Nobel Prize winners that we've uh, interviewed and discussed, and certainly weigh their work in determining how we invest for our clients, and something I would recommend all investors do is consider the research being put out by these independent academics. doesn't mean that everyone has a monopoly on how to do it correctly, but I think their concepts and their ideas and their contribution should strongly be you know, considered as you're developing a, a portfolio strategy. Thus, our name empirical, and uh, you know, we're currently in various trademark disputes over this, issue because we started using the name empirical several years ago as a um, connection to that, our commitment to stay grounded in the research being put out by these independent researchers and subsequently several other copycat advisors have been trying to use our name but uh, we'll we'll work that out in the court system Uh, Eric that's here nor there, this may not be the proper venue to discuss that although it makes me feel better um Eugene Fama, Robert J. Schiller, and Lars Peter Hansen shared the 2013 Nobel Prize in Economic Sciences for times conflicting research on how financial markets work and assets such as stocks are priced. The three economists, all Americans, laid the foundation for the current understanding of asset prices. So says the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences, which selects the winner. Uh, This was... uh, October 14th. It relies in part on fluctuations in risk and risk attitudes, and in part on behavioral biases and market frictions. It's quite a mouthful. I think we're going to have to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll continue to get into why these gentlemen, these researchers won the Nobel Prize, and then I thought we could talk about the practical implications as we see them, and how you, you can use this type of This type of knowledge in building your personal portfolio. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back.
1: business you'll find the experts here voice america business
4: network are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm my name is simon Liu, portfolio manager with empirical wealth management inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307 that's 1-800-923-4307 Or visit our website at EmpiricalFS.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S dot com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com.
5: Did you ever stop to think that financial health can be a lot like physical health? The Financial Physician, Lou Scatigna has helped people on the radio for nearly 15 years. And now he's part of the Voice America Business Channel. By using medical analogies to discuss financial solutions, Lou actually makes the process easier to understand and will help you chart your own financial fitness. Tune in to The Financial Physician, live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, and on demand anytime on the Voice America
1: Business Channel. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, we're back on Empirical Investing
2: Radio. This Thursday, October 24th, live, Eric Lair and Ken Smith here uh, recording or broadcasting um, high atop the Empirical Towers in downtown Seattle. And uh, we're talking about the Nobel Prize that was awarded in economics to uh, Eugene Fama, Robert Schiller, and Lars Hansen. Going into the break, Eric, I was reading the uh, release here that... um, um, their work spans almost 50 years of research beginning with the finding by the University of Chicago's FAMA that it is difficult to predict price movements in the short run. That conclusion forms the basis for the theory that financial markets are efficient and led to the development of stock index funds. Later, papers by Schiller and the University of Chicago's Hansen focused on longer-run price swings and the extent to which they could be explained by such fundamental features as dividend payouts on stocks and the risk appetite of investors. Yale University's Schiller in particular took issue with the argument that investors are always logical, using the phrase irrational exuberance, to explain run-ups in asset prices. The winners represent a very interesting collection because Fama is the founder of the Efficient Market Theory, and Schiller, at least, is one of, it, one of its critics, said Robert Salau, winner of the Nobel Economic Prize in 1987 and Professor Emeritus at the MIT in Cambridge. It's like giving a prize to the Yankees and the Red Sox, he said, comparing the two competing theories to the rivalry between the New York and Boston baseball teams. What it suggests is there really isn't a settled doctrine in finance. And uh, that's something, Eric, I, I have noticed throughout my you know, about 18 years of doing this is that, you know, a lot of this research is continuing to be done and we're learning more and more about the way economies work and the way markets function. And uh, while while big, I think while a lot of big uh, discoveries are, are being made, it by no means means we have any one person has all the answers yet. And we may never get the answer because the market's going to continue to evolve. So while they're differing, it doesn't mean necessarily that, in my view, that they both don't have valuable insights to offer. And so I think what Chiller, the work that he's done in his books that I've read, um, Irrational Exuberance is one of them. He talks about price bubbles and, and how people the market gets overbought or oversold in in certain cases in in bubbles and spirals, Um, feedback loops, as he refers to them. Uh, Where where Fama's earlier work on efficient markets were, basically, the information that's available publicly is is incorporated pretty rapidly into the prices of securities. And I think the bigger premise to take away from Fama, if you were going to mix these two, the, work that the the foundation of the work that these two guys did to say, I, the way I approach it is, number one, you need to be diversified because the idea of picking a handful of securities and hoping that those securities will do better than, say, the broader market, um, you, you're, you're fighting some very tough statistics. So on the pharma side, he's saying, I don't see evidence in some of the subsequent research he and Ken French have done on market performance of active managers. A couple of years ago, they published another paper, but uh, there isn't a lot of evidence that these managers are, are able to beat the market. In fact, I'm gonna play a, a little video clip here. Actually, let me do it now. You mind, Eric? Sounds good. This is a little thing on Fama and his uh, work. in the world.
6: Boy, it's much more difficult to start today than when I started. When I started, there was nothing in finance. There was literally nothing. So anything that you did was new. It was easy. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. I was really the first big user of computers in finance. They would suggest something, and I would come back the next day and have it done. And they were wondering how I could do that. When computers came along, I mean, you knew if your program was right, the numbers were right. You didn't have to do it again. So that was like an opening of the world to statisticians. And that's really how work Stock prices and efficient markets started. Statisticians and economists were released from the burdens of these calculators. They could process data in ways they couldn't do it before. And what's the most easily available data? Stock prices. The ultimate goal was to learn something from the data. So it's not whether or not your model looks better or worse, it's whether in going through the process you learn something from the data that is in fact true. I mean, it's, it reproduces in, in, in other data. And that's kind of been the organizing philosophy of my approach to empirical research you know, for the whole 50 years of my career. actions of academics you know they've been pretty supportive there's been somewhat to, to put it mildly more reticence among the applied people in France and in Wall Street basically because it says they don't do very much they don't like that given that they charge high fees for not doing very much <laughs> it's another example of beating something to death is the Farmer French 92 paper which started all of this variety growth business or at least was the most influential paper in that. When we wrote that paper we didn't even think it would be published because there was nothing in it that was strictly new. We were just putting together stuff that people had done and said, when you look at all of this together the story is just too strong. model is no good. We need a new model. And for whatever reason maybe it was because the model we were throwing down was one that I had helped to build up. So <laughs> if they were smart Active managers making money—they have to be making money at the expense of poor active managers because passive managers are out of the game. They don't respond to the actions of active managers. Now that—that's not a hypothesis. That's arithmetic. That has to be true. Every point in time, that has to be true. It's the most fundamental proposition about active management you can have. Bill Sharp calls it the arithmetic of active management, just to emphasize it. It's not a hypothesis. It's arithmetic, and. It's the toughest concept to get people to swallow. It's like, you can't get them to swallow that one plus one is two. It's mind-boggling.
2: That is kind of mind-boggling, aren't
3: you? Yeah, well, I I think um, something that you had pointed out before the clip and that uh, Professor Fama sort of confirmed there was that... uh, as we learn more about this stuff, the the model does change. So he came out with the efficient markets hypothesis in a paper in uh, 60s, maybe 1968, uh, and then in 1992, he and Ken French came out with the paper about, uh, about value versus growth, about small cap versus large cap stocks. That was sort of ran counter to his earlier work. Uh, so it's not a it's not a finished puzzle at this point. Um, I think it's it's important for, again, for these guys to keep doing the research and for um, people in our position to, to keep incorporating this into into how we manage money. And going back to the the, the quote you had from Bob Solo in the in the paper, I don't think that um, the positions that Fama and Schiller have are necessarily opposites. Uh, I think a lot of, I think Gene Fama would tell you this himself, that a lot of the behavior that he's identified, in terms of inability to to outperform markets and that efficient markets tends to happen in the short run, and that uh, there are ways that you can I don't want to say predict, but 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 there are there are indicators that that tend to mean more over the long run, and that's really what Schiller's uh, a lot of Schiller's work is about. So things. Things across time asset prices can get inflated, or you know things can be overbought underbought, but that's not something that you can exploit on a day to day basis so i don't I don't think that those t- their, their positions are are necessarily uh, cancel each other out i guess
2: yeah, and so just to get back to Fahman then come well, I'll comment about char too um. He was doing this research actually uh, at the end of the 1960s and through the beginning of the 70s showed how incredibly difficult it is to beat the market and how incredibly difficult it is to predict how share prices will develop in a day or a week's time. Um, That shows there is no point for the common person to get involved in share analysis. This is according to the Peter England Professor in Banking at the Stockholm School of Economics, and he is the secretary of the committee, and so he's saying it's better to, it's much better for the investor to invest in a broadly composed portfolio of shares. Now, whether or not prices bubble or not, um, that's a different discussion in my view, and I think that uh, a lot of it seems like they try to pit the two against one another, like you're saying, where. Because the very next part of it about Schiller says, since 1981, Schiller has been at the vanguard of economists chipping away at the theory of efficient markets. His research showed that investors can be irrational, and that assets, from stocks to housing, can develop into bubbles. Schiller found that stock prices were bad weathermen. Historically, they have been much more variable than the current value of the dividend streams. From this evidence, he concluded that rational models of the stock market in which stock prices reflect rational expectations of future payouts are in error. Long story short here, he's saying that you can't just take the current amount of, of dividend and extrapolate that into the, what the, what's, the future, what's the current value because it doesn't account for this irrationality in the market. And I think if I was using both of their the research that each of them did, I would say what I take away and what I try to convey to investors here is, one, diversify. Don't waste your time trying to pick individual stocks to beat the market because, as Fama said, that's a game that there has to be a loser to. They can't all win, and they won't admit it you know, these Wall Street guys that are charging excessive fees. But you're competing against these guys if you're out there picking stocks as well. But um, I think we're going to have to take a break, and then I'll I'll get back to my point here on this, Eric. Let's take a a quick break, and we'll be right back with Empirical Investing Radio. (laughs)
1: the boardroom to you voice america business network
4: are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm my name is simon Liu, portfolio manager with empirical wealth management inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307 that's 1-800-923-4307 or visit our website at empiricalfs.com That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S dot com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS dot com.
0: Are you a decision maker in your organization, a mid-level manager, or a team member? Stepping Stones to Everyday Success with host Kimberly Stewart is a program designed to provide you with tidbits and tools you need to achieve results no matter where you are in your organizational structure. Interaction is key, and you'll have opportunities to share your ideas, comments, and questions. Listen to Stepping Stones to Everyday Success, live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel.
1: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan.
2: All right, we're back on Empirical Investing Radio, and uh, joining me for the remainder of the program is my compadre Ethan Broga, co-host. Hi, Ethan. Thanks for coming in. Hey, Ken. Thanks a lot. Uh, you're welcome. You're very welcome. And uh, thanks to Eric for uh, filling in while you were while you were gone. That's nice, Ethan. You know, what we've been talking about is the relevance of the recent uh, Nobel Prize in economics that was uh, jointly awarded to three. Three researchers, Eugene Fama, Robert Schiller, Mm -hmm. and uh, another gentleman, um, Lars Peter Hansen. And uh, we were, I was, I had gone through what Fama's work, you know, the work that he did on efficient markets, and then Schiller, and the work that he was doing. um, And most of the articles I read try to pit the two against each other, that Schiller's basically one of the economists chipping away at the theory of efficient markets by showing that investors can be irrational, and I think that's pretty well substantiated in a lot of the behavioral finance materials, and uh-huh. we see that another guy won a Nobel Prize, Daniel Kahneman, for his work, and studying the, this idea of behavioral finance and how we react and make these deci- individuals make economic decisions, and they're clearly not rational. Sure, Um, but I think the point that within Fama's work that still stands, and what I was getting to prior to the break, Ethan, was how you can utilize both of the work that both of these these scientists basically have done, Um, and in Eugene Fama's case, the fact that all active managers are competing with each other and they can't all win. Right, he was saying in the clip, it's simple arithmetic, and for whatever reason primarily in his view because Wall Street's generating a very high amount of fees, they won't admit this, that they cannot all win. And so they can only win to the detriment of another active manager. Uh And uh, so it is a zero-sum game, and he he referenced another Nobel Prize winner, Bill Sharp, in that explaining that arithmetic of how the market works. If, If you're holding passive diversified portfolios, you will get the market returns minus the expenses incurred to to hold those portfolios. And all of those other portfolios out there, the professional managers constructing active portfolios or individual investors holding pools of stocks, they will get, in aggregate, the total market return as well. Mm -hmm. If, If we all hold the stocks, those that outperform have to do so to the expense of those who will underperform in that game and as a group they can all underperform a passive investment approach because they may incur greater expense in aggregate mm-hmm. so that math is also very well substantiated they can trade back and forth a lot and even if commissions go to zero you know what we see very clearly are the brokerage commissions the price we pay to buy or sell stock there is a spread or a difference between what we pay in the bid price and the ask price. Uh-huh. And you could trade yourself out of all of your investment money by doing just because of that. I buy the stock at $10 and I sell it at $9.98 and then I buy it back at $10 and I sell it. You're going to lose money if you keep <laughs> trading that way, right? Right. Um, and I think that's a cost that most investors discount or just ignore. But it is in there. and yeah, for sure. And we all Otherwise, people wouldn't be making markets in these stocks. Mm-hmm. That's how they're making money. Now, uh, the reality then for me is you want to be diversified. You want to participate in global markets because you never know where the next greatest return is. We went through the returns earlier. And here t- this year, you have emerging markets down 4% at a time where a global portfolio is up almost 18%, right? Right. You don't know how. Uh, where or when that's going to happen across markets? So you want to have a very logical way of diversifying across all of them, and how do you avoid getting hammered by a twenty percent decline in gold, for example? Well, it's because you don't you don't allow yourself to be suckered into putting all your money in gold. Right. If it is included in the portfolio, it's a percentage or a certain allocation, and you have a very disciplined, systematic way of, of rebalancing as things get out of proportion.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, in, in the Schiller situation, knowing that people can be irrational, the way you counter that is by having that discipline, right? It is by having that system, and it is by being aware, and if we looked at the technology bubble as an example, being aware that it's probably not a reasonable thing to pay 100 times earnings for a group of stocks, take all my money out of every type of diversified portfolio uh, or strategy. Put it all into that small group or sector of stocks that have done very well over the last few years uh-huh. and expect that to persist. I think that's where those two strategies can coincide quite well. The FAMA idea of, hey, don't waste time picking those individual stocks, and the Schiller idea of, don't get swept up in the irrationality that certain areas of the markets can have. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I think they work. We implement both of the, the Nobel Prize winning research that's being discussed here. Right. In our portfolios, and certainly, stocks as groups or bonds as as group can become very uh, excessively priced, and people can get over-excited about buying a particular stocks as a group or section. And you want to fight against that and use it, the knowledge rather than discounting either of the of these pieces of research. We're saying, well, they're somehow in cover. I believe there's a very clear way that you can embrace elements of both of them in a very practical way Right. in, in developing and managing your portfolio. And I was going through some of the global returns now and in over the last, not just the last year, but now, if you look over the last five and ten years, the disciplined approach has done quite well.
5: Yes, I agree. I think one of the things that... um define a successful investment strategy is really trying to, accepting that you don't know certain things, accepting that you don't know with precision what the future holds. And therefore, I think it would drive an investor to diversify and get true diversification if possible, right, mm-hmm. across the multiple asset classes within each of the economies around the world that which we can invest in, starting with the U.S., going to international developed markets, into emerging markets. Those things are very, very practical, because I know that I don't know (laughs) the future. I don't know what returns will be over the next year, even three years, right? Across the asset classes, I don't know which ones will be the winners, to be honest with you, over that period of time. However, over a longer period of time, each of the, talking about stocks now, each of the asset classes across the world do have a high expected return. And the range of returns over a longer period, say 10 years or more, between the asset classes is likely to be pretty narrow. So it doesn't necessitate an investor to try to, to predict when and to be in or out of the market or own what securities if at the end of the time frame all stocks across the the asset classes will have a pretty close return to each other. All it does is add more risk to the portfolio and, and add risk that you won't achieve your objective by doing that. So I think, again, you're right. Incorporating these, these gentlemen's research is, I think, pretty important to have a, a successful investment experience.
2: Another article here, Ethan, uh, uh, you know, we could click through here, that was uh, printed in the Wall Street Journal. Nobel Prize is no crystal ball. The main lesson from this week's economics award should be humility about anyone's forecasting ability, especially your own, and this by your good friend here, Jason Zweig.
5: Hang on a second. Would you incorporate or include, uh, you know, Ken- Kenneth French and, and so forth? Not French, but,
2: uh, I'm sorry. Um, we're talking about Fama or Schiller or the other. Um, I didn't. I didn't really spend any time reading about Hansen's, but at least not on the air here. But his contribution has to do with uh, testing the efficiency of sophisticated economic models. Ah. And he developed a way to do that. Um, so you know, economic models that attempt to project what's going on, but right. Anyway, oh, I was
5: thinking of Ken I Fisher. Know where you were going? Yeah, Ken so Fisher, right—the opposite of, of
2: what we're talking about here, with
5: in terms of the, the uh, using the crystal ball, that sort of thing. Well,
2: he would be one of those in denial of the research. He certainly is not winning any Nobel prizes uh, for what he's doing. Um, True enough, but he definitely is not quiet. I mean, he writes a lot of articles, of articles. and yeah. puts an enormous amount of money. Uh, There's a very, very large amount of whatever his investors are paying him that he is taking out of their pockets and putting directly into marketing, because I can barely click on anything without, have you ever, have you got the five secrets of retirement success or whatever he's doing? Right. Fifteen minutes. No, you have the six secrets. Yeah. But, um... He's only got five. He's he's got, is it five? (laughs) Uh, Five things you need to know now. Right. If you happen to have a half a million dollars, you know his whole pitch there. More or less. But he is in, I would say, gross denial of these this research. He doesn't, I don't know if he's commented on it. Um, Unfortunately for him. Or, for or others he, like him, by the way. For his the people who invest with him, they're yeah. also in denial, right? They're
5: all, yeah. It's not just him, it's it's the, the folks that are in his camp as well.
2: In the clip that I played while you were out um, at the end of it, Eugene Thomas says, hey, that this simple Mathematical equation of how the market works and these returns arithmetic of the market it's it 's like denying that one plus one equals two says it 's mind boggling i don 't understand how how people can do that, but um, I think we have talked in the past that hey that the concept or the idea that there are a million different ways a person can invest make it seem very Easy that it at least in theory it should be easy to get out there and and, and make some decisions that you can really make a lot of money
5: mm-hmm.
2: in the markets, um, but in in reality, right? You know the it, the statistics and what he said is, hey, and s- starting when he was doing this research in the sixties, when the power of computing evolved or merged, where statisticians could, could get this data and now test it, is when everything exploded. Right. And right. The active managers of the traditional investment theory, they kind of had a free ride, if you think about it, because there was no way to really statistically test them.
5: Yeah, say so if, if they were adding value or not, or, or their status. They didn't work have the computing power exactly. to, to
2: really quickly test that, quantify it, capture the data, and test it, and now right. they do. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how many times the word empirical gets discussed in here and throughout all this, but um, that's exactly what what they're saying is hey, now we can empirically test the if someone like a Ken Fisher who you brought up is purporting to be able to beat the market well we we can now test that and we can statistically validate whether what he's saying has any merit or not
5: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: and the fact that he continues to have, have have grown his thing into a billion some dollar business is pretty phenomenal in in spite of the statistics and the evidence saying that what he's doing is probably not the best way to manage your portfolio. Right. Looks like we have to take another quick break. We'll get back to more Fisher bashing when we get back from this break, Ethan. All right. right, We'll be back.
1: business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
4: Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, portfolio manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at EmpiricalFS.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com.
1: In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait, they just go for it You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan.
5: All right, we're back, Empirical Investing Radio. Here you're... Co-host Ethan Broca, alongside Ken Smith, I'm um, just entering the last segment of today's show, and I think we're going to peruse uh, a new article here. Uh, Ken, what's the title of the article that we're going to talk about here, Ken? Well, oh, it
2: was "No Nobel Prize Is No Crystal Ball" by Jason Zweig in the Wall Street Journal. Great. And uh, that's the theme here of the show is we're just talking about the the Nobel Prize uh, that was awarded to the three researchers recently in economics, yeah. and um, so it says, you know, Jason says, uh, For investors, the main lesson from this week's announcement of the Nobel Prize in Economics should be humility about anyone's market forecasting ability, especially your own. This past Monday, the Economics Prize went to three researchers whose work seems to have little in common. Fama, a leading advocate of the theory that price stock prices are efficient. Lars Peter Hansen, who probes predictive models for statistical weakness and Robert Shiller, who argues that markets are more irrational than efficient. The Nobel Committee said these economists' findings show that it is quite possible to foresee the broad course of stock and bond prices over the next three to five years. Quote, Jason here says, If it were only that simple, Professor Fama, finance professor at the University of Chicago's uh, Booth School of Business, was unavailable for comment. He has argued for nearly five decades that markets are efficient, meaning that you can't reliably predict using publicly available information which securities will have higher or lower returns than expected. On the other hand, with his longtime research partner, Ken French, of the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth University, uh, Fama has identified several factors that appear to beat the market over long periods. In the clip, he talked about this, and really, that Ken, and uh, French and, and Fama took research that was already out there and just organized it and said, hey, small stocks, value stocks. Um, and now momentum being a more recent uh, discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, and even more recent is, is they've published some papers on the idea of quality of earnings or highly profitable stocks. That These are some characteristics that um, have earned higher than ret- average returns over, the, uh, over previous decades. And uh, why these stocks tend to outperform, it isn't fully understood or explained. Um, the closest thing to it is some combination or connection to risk, typically, is what we uh-huh. talk about, right, right. But you should be wary of stock pickers who claim to be able to beat the market by buying such companies. Approximately 97% of fund managers haven't demonstrated enough skill even to cover the expenses they charge. Professor Obama has argued, making low-cost index funds, which don't even try to beat the market, the best bet. Quote, it will always be challenging to get sharp predictions as to what will happen in the future. End quote. Professor Hansen, an economist at the University of Chicago, told me this week. Quote, there is a tremendous amount of uncertainty in financial data, and if there are predictable patterns in there, they are modest and very subtle. Professor Hansen spent. Hansen his career building complex mathematical models to measure economic variables. He has learned much about what works, but even more about what doesn't. There's a danger if you turn over policy and regulatory design to models that we don't yet have full confidence in. He says there's a big danger in pretending that we have a new set of knowledge that we can use in fine-tuning policies and markets. Professor Schiller uh, who's at Yale, is best known for his book Irrational Exuberance. The first edition in March 2000 warned that the U.S. stock market was dangerously overvalued.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Over the next two and a half years, stocks fell 44%, and then the second edition of his book was published in early 2005, and it warned that US housing, the U.S. housing market was dangerously overvalued, and he was right again. Still, Professor Schiller doesn't believe that if you roll up enough data, it will turn into a crystal ball. For years he has calculated what has become known as the Schiller CAPE or cyclically adjusted price earnings ratio. That measure is the price of the S&P 500 stock index divided by the average of its past 10 years of earnings adjusted for inflation. The resulting number has averaged 16.5 since 1871. By the end of 1999 it was a, it was flashing furiously at 44.2, the highest level ever recorded. Today, Professor Schiller says the CAPE is a plausible strategy for getting a rough sense of whether markets are fairly priced. It appears to work over the very long term, he says, but I don't think you can know that it's going to work tomorrow or even over the next few years. Hmm. At 23.5, the recent CAPE for the U.S. stock market is well above the historical average. One lesson I've learned from Professor Schiller comes not from his work, but from his life. In college, he went on such long contemplative walks that he stress fractured a bone in his foot. He told me years ago that collective enthusiasm of fans at sporting events is alien to him. He still recalls with a shudder reading Aldous Huxley's novel Brave New World is a teenager in Huxley's dystopia babies are brainwashed with hypnopedia and adults are doped into conformity with a drug called soMA I never wanted to be to, I never wanted to get socialized like that he told me in 2003 professor Schiller said in an interview that he was he kept a diary continually since I turned 12 years old Wow he added that talking into it Talking in it to oneself creates a more idiosyncratic view. Wow, he's a deep guy. I guess so. Wow, that's cool. Such deliberate detachment from the crowd may be the best way to avoid getting swept up in the next bubble. So that was a pretty interesting article. It really is. I like reading these. Yeah, that's great. Well, it's a little reading time. Yeah. <laughs> we had uh, we had talked about previously about that uh,
5: the uh, ten-year price-to-earnings ratio that he's calculated, and uh, it's great to hear. Him uh, admit as well that hey, it, it isn't. Perfect. It's a very rough. It's a rough approximation. Right?
2: Approximation. Yeah.
5: This is from the guy who's who's uh, who created it. I've heard comments from other uh, investment advisors or, or clients uh, who, who in the past quoted this and say, "Well, well according to Schiller's data, we're overvalued." And uh, I I come back with this type of thing. Well, even he doesn't know that it's it's. You know, it's not a perfect measurement tool, right? There's nothing precise about it. It's an approximation, and then who knows how long you could it could be out of whack. And further than that, we, we also had a, another um, uh, article discussion a little while ago that talked about uh, how the effect of 2008 and 2009 being uh-huh. in the data tends to over-exaggerate the the magnitude because it's a 10-year rolling average. And if you include any period of time that includes 2008-2009, where the market dropped 50%, it's going to exaggerate the data to make you believe it's it's a higher P than otherwise would be, mm-hmm. meaning that if you if it was a normalized period of time or you discount that period, the, the data is really not above historical levels from a price to earnings level basis. So kind of interesting.
2: Yeah, that is interesting.
5: So, I think I'm going to shoot that article to a couple of. They say. A of folks I was working with today. Make money, to pigs, they get slaughtered. That's a good point. Hey, can I want to mention something really quick on a different topic, if you don't mind? Yeah, we've got about, a,
2: I don't know, a couple of minutes here. All right. Let's talk.
5: I just want to give a, get, a, get a plug-in for the uh, Six Secrets seminar coming up here six this secrets. Saturday. So if you're near Edmonds, Washington uh, this Saturday around 11 o'clock, we're actually having a... Uh, Why not
2: fly in from wherever I you're mean, at? It's okay. It's well worth it. That's right. It'll be very, very fantastic. We're gonna and um, will there be free appetizers free, free appetizers and beverage, non-alcoholic beverages. Mm-hmm.
5: might take an hour, hour and a half, of uh, going over some key retirement decisions that we all face and how to maximize those. Um, it's a free seminar, but if you'd like to come, feel free to register on our website at empirical.net. Just go ahead and click uh, click on the upper right-hand corner uh, where you see the, the click button, the seminars and the events, and it'll take you right to that uh, that seminar. So feel free to join us. Well, um yeah, who's going to be there? Well, so far myself and uh, numerous other folks who have signed up already. Oh, okay. And it's uh, it's this Saturday? This Saturday, 11 o'clock at the Edmonds Conference Center. Edmonds, Edmonds. Edmonds, Washington. That sounds pretty good.
2: It's just north of Seattle a little bit. Um, yeah, I might, I might swing in. Um, looks like that's about all the time we have, according to Simon the Engineer here, so... Thanks uh, for tuning in to Empirical Investing Radio, and if you want to give us a call throughout the week, again, you can reach Ethan or I at 1-800-923-4307 or shoot me an email, ksmith at empirical.net. Have a great week, and we'll see you again next
1: week. We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. We'll see you next week.